opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for checking in, listening in to Health Checkup. This evening, we're going to talk about first aid kits and evacuation bags and survival kits. But before we get started, I want to introduce my host, Dan, and he is going to take a few minutes to go over some housekeeping situations. Go ahead, Dan. Okay, so most of you are muted. If you would like to unmute, you're going to press Alt-A on a PC. On a Mac, it's Command-Shift-A. On a smartphone, the unmute button is in the lower left corner. And on a landline phone, press star six. If you're to raise your hand on a PC, press Alt-Y. On a Mac, press Option-Y. On a smartphone, the more button is in the lower right corner. That brings up a menu where you can swipe to raise hand and double tap. And on a landline phone, press star nine. Thank you, Dan. That was very informative information. But now and we, oh, we have ahead. someone on a landline with area code 505. Would you like to give us your name so I can change it? Uh, I'm, I'm Beth. Beth. Oh, hey, Beth okay. from New Mexico. Is that Dan Spoon? No, no. I, I am not. <laughs> oh, okay. Dan the a, Man Spoon. <laughs> that would be an honor to have Oh, hi, Janine. <laughs> okay, everybody. Well, again, thank you for picking Health Checkup. And I know there's a lot of choices, but we're going to go ahead and get started into this great discussion. Tonight, the format's going to be a little bit different. Um, it's just you and us talking about first aid kits, evacuation survival kits for you and your service animals and pets. So first, what I want to talk about is it's ironic that FEMA has September marked as the National Preparedness Month. As living in Florida, um, September is way too late for us to talk about hurricanes. So what I want to do is talk about when you get that notification that you need to get out because there's either an earthquake has occurred over somewhere or you have situation of a tornado or a hurricane. And with us in Florida with hurricanes, we do have a little bit of time to prepare, but that really means Preparing is to decide if you're going to stay or go. With the other emergencies, you really don't have a lot of time. So let's talk about your evacuation and what you should have in your home and safety things. So the first thing I want you guys to realize is, is think about in your home, if the alarm goes off or a siren goes off or you get your first alert on your phone that a tornado is near you. You want to know where to go in your home. You want to be away from windows and in the center of your home, away from any outside um, walls. So let's talk about what you should have there. So that's where you should have your survival kit. Your survival kit should be at least supplies for 72 hours. If you really want to be creative, that's three days to five days of food supply and water supply. The most important thing you want to remember is when you create these kits is where you're going to put them. 
So with tornadoes, you have the least amount of warning. So I would put it where you would go as your safe shelter. One of the things you have to be attentive of that is keeping your supplies in your kit on good expirations and storage. So let's talk about water, shall we? Shall we drink a little water as we do this? Everybody take a sip of water. So I went to Magna. Magna is the Mid-America Bottle Water Association. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that, um, but there's many associations, but they were the ones that have been around the longest since 1953. And they're the ones that have really fought and done a lot of research to make our bottled waters safer. So their recommendation is, is always follow the manufacturer's um, recommendation for storage. So where there is expiration dates on your water bottle, um, I don't know if you guys knew that, but that is really best sell date. So the trick is, is if your water bottle comes in a plastic bottle, the technology has changed, but there's still a chemical reaction that can occur where some um, different chemical reactions occur that it's not healthy for human or animal ingestion. So you really want to make sure that you keep them in um, not high temperatures. So if you keep them in cars or anything like that, if you have them stored where it can get above 150 degrees, which is like your garage or the trunk of your car, um, if they're in there for longer than seven days, it's recommended to throw that water away into your garden, um, not for human or animal consumption. So you wanna keep tabs of where your water is. If you're keeping it in your home, and I, I pray your home doesn't get above 150 degrees. If it does, I'm not coming to visit. Um, you want to make sure that you just rotate that water every one to two years. So it's a good thing to mark on your calendar. We'll just celebrate with FEMA that every September you evaluate um, your water supply and storage area. The other thing you want to have in your tornado shelter or um, in your ev evacuation bag is a whistle. So we all have, I hope everyone's seen the movie Titanic and I want you to envision um, what happened after they got off the boat and they were floating in water, they used the whistle to find you. And in real life, we actually listen for sounds of that sort. Now, all of us have phones, but we don't know how long the phone battery will last to make noise. But if you have air in your lungs and you have a whistle, um, unfortunately, if you're underneath something and you can't get out in your trap, blowing a whistle will help us find you. Even though we have excellent dogs that can help smell you and get you, but whistles will really help. So what a great Christmas present to just go out and buy a whistle. And Janine's on here and she, she knows what I'm going to say next. Go to your local Dollar Tree for your whistles. <laughs> So the next thing I wanna talk about is food supply. You wanna make sure you have some high protein bars, enough for you and your family members to be um, enclosed in your closet or area of shelter for a tornado or hurricane. And that's three to five days supply. And that's three to five days of, you can get dry food, canned food, 
Um, make sure you don't get the canned food that you need to use a can opener. You want to do the pull tabs because as you don't know what's going to occur. Um, and I would just say protein bars are the best and the shelf life on those are about five years. Now, just to let you have a little insight, there are great um, survival packets, backpacks that you can purchase with all the stuff in them. Some of them can range from $140 up to $500, just depending on what you want inside of them and custom make them. And if you do buy one of those pre-made survival kits, what I want you to pay attention is all they've done is got everything in there organized for you with the list. And then as things expire, you don't necessarily have to go back to that company, but you know what needs to be put in there and you can personalize it. So the things you'll find in those, of course, is the prepackaged food. And most of them last up to five years. Um, they have the amount of water. So the packets range um, for $140 is where I found the two. Um, survival for two people. So that would be Duke and I. Because he's 81 pounds and he eats a lot. Um, <laughs> the next thing that's in the packet is to make a shelter. Um, so they have a tent, and if you don't want to make your own, you just make sure you have a tarp. Um, also, you want to make sure you have heat, a way to provide heat for yourself. So you want a blanket. Also, saran wrap um, is a great insulation for you. You just wrap yourself up in um, saran wrap because of the body heat will keep in. And let's see, shelter... There's a lot of other things that you can do to make sure you have shelter. And depending if it's a wet weather or dry weather. Um, I also, in my closet, um, conveniently have some pillows um, just in case if I need to be comfort. Um, the other thing is, is you want to make sure that you have in consideration. Um, oh, you said whistle. Yep, we talked about whistle. <laughs> is um, hygiene products. So if you're able to get out, you might want to make sure you have the world famous toilet paper. As we all experience with Corona, you want to make sure you have your toilet paper because that might be not available in a case of emergency and evacuation. The other thing you want to make sure you have is um, your medications. Um, and those are a little bit tricky because, you know, you go through your supply but you always want to make sure you have a list of your most current meds in your evacuation bag. Because believe it or not, when you make it to your shelter, if it's a hurricane you're evacuating or once you're rescued after the tornado and you make it to a shelter, um, part of the emergency preparedness that's done in their counties and states um, is we set up portable pharmacy. And CVS or Walgreens or Publix, depending on who the pharmacy contracts are for that area with FEMA, we can actually, off of your list, be able to give you your prescription. But it's always recommended to have three to five days supply um, if possible. So when you're doing your medications, you kind of want to be cautious where everything is where you can quickly, quickly grab and go. Or when you get your 90-day supply, you might want to have, um, you know, one-week organizer where you keep it in your um, evacuation bag and 
be able just, oh, I'm almost done. Oh, no, I got that week. And you pull the week out of your evacuation bag and then refill it with your next 90 days. So you're rotating that medication every 90 days. Okay, so I hope that information is helpful. Um, let's see, does anybody have any questions about evacuation bags? Any raised hands, Dan? There are no raised hands. Oh, okay. We have a 614 just raised their hand. Hi, this is Melody from Columbus, Ohio. Um, Hi. As far as medications, mine are, and they have been in the past, put in blister packs, counted out by the pharmacy, and I use pill boxes with shelters and rescue organizations and um, police, fire, EMS need them to be in original bottles. I have them to where they're, I put them in a Braille pill box so I know what they are, and I use the script talk for CVS and things like that. So That is very true. I forgot they changed the rules now. Yes, you want to make sure they're in the original bottles. So every 90 days, you know how you get your new bottles? Make sure you um, keep the original. Don't worry about the expiration date. They just need to make sure that it has your name the doctor in that. And I love my script talk. So thank you for sharing. And it's the same when you travel in TSA. They know they you have to have your medication in the original bottles now and your prescription bottles. They don't want you to travel with your organizers anymore. I forgot that changed recently. Thank you so much. Any more raised hands? There are no raised hands. No raised hands. Okay, well, we're doing good. So now let's talk about our guide dogs and our pets. So I know some of us um, might not have thought about this, but our guide dogs and service dogs don't always have particular diets. So what I do with Duke, um, he has a, a backpack that I bought and I put in um, five days food supply in his backpack. And then when his bag of um, dog food goes down, I take that last out and use it. And then when I re get the new bag, I so I rotate it every month because he goes through a 50-pound bag of dog food a month. So if anybody wants to donate to, to Duke's dog food, I'm just joking. Um, and I just make sure he has some treats in there. Um, I also make sure his water is in there. So he has his own. Um, I put a gallon of water for him in his backpack. So it is heavy and I have a blanket for him as well in there. And um, he doesn't get a whistle, um, but I have plenty of bags for his, um, shall we say, remains that he needs to dispose of. So that way I'm still responsible for him. Um, any medications that dogs need to have, um, very important to have inside there is a little emergency first aid kit for your service dog. Um, one of the things that's important is a pair of tweezers. So if they get a splinter, glass, or something inside their paws or inside their skin, you can remove it. Um, triple antibiotic is good to have for them. Um, bandages, uh, dressings to be able if something gets um, punctured or is bleeding, you apply pressure and you can do an ACE bandage wrap and some tape, um, any kind of cloth tape. Um, I would not recommend duct tape, but I have used duct tape before in a situation. Um, so any kind of pressure dressing you want to do. 
when you're dealing with first aid for for your pets and also for humans, when there's a bleeding situation, you want to always apply the gauze and don't do it. I know you want to just take a peek and look and see if it's still bleeding, but don't do that because what you're doing is, is breaking up the platelets that are actually coagulating. So that's just a fancy term of making that um, scar tissue build up where it stops bleeding. So what you do is you actually stack another piece of gauze on top and you keep stacking gauze on top until you see no more. So you apply pressure for 30 seconds. If you see no blood, awesome. You're doing a great job. Wrap it up and move on. Then you come back and assess it, meaning take a look at it. And if you see more blood, do not, I repeat, do not remove the gauze. Even though you want to, you want to go peekaboo, don't do it. Just put another piece of gauze on top, hold it for another 30 to 45 seconds. And if you can, elevate the leg, the paw, your arm, any whatever you can above the heart. And that will also help slow down the bleeding. Okay. Terry, we have a hand raised from Beth. Oh, Beth. Hi, Beth. What can you add? Yeah, hi. Um, How come that rule changed recently about them, about you not being able to put your stuff in your organizers anymore? Um, TSA, I think it has to do with how some people were taking advantage of the situation and bringing things across state lines and countries that may not have been... Uh, properly prescribed. It just oh, changed. Man. But, yeah. <laughs> but then the blind get the shaft like always. Well, it, it really isn't because of, I, I personally, I'm not, you know, trying to pitch script talk, but um, that's what I use. Yeah. So I love having my bottles with all the information. Um, oh, I do too. Yeah. So I travel with my bottles now. It happened last year in 2019 because when I went, when I was flying, you know, that's the last time I actually was 2019. Um, there was a sign that I literally ran into. <laughs> and the TSA, no. guy, the TSA guy was was distracted by Duke and didn't see me. And he's like, yeah, that's the new signage to explain how we're doing prescription meds now. So they do have to be on the original. Yeah. Uh, yep. Okay. Yep. So... And it's no big deal. You're welcome. And you can take, um, I mean, if you do the organizer, um, you know, you just have to have the original bottles as well. So that way, if they feel they really want to, and the dog, you know, one of their drug smelling dogs kind of decides to really appreciate the treats that you have in your bag for your service dog. And they have, yeah. yeah, that happened to me one time. And uh, <laughs> he really liked Duke's treat. And um, so luckily I had my organizer and my original bottles and they did. They opened them up and they compared the pills. And I was like, for real? So, yeah. So that's why. You should have said you could you could give your dog a treat. No, <laughs> <laughs> I think. I, yeah, they don't they don't eat while they're working, just like ours. They don't eat while they're working. But they. Yeah, you know, that's true. Just like all of us, if you wave a, a Reese's peanut butter cup in front of me, I don't care what I'm doing. I'm going for it. So, mm, <laughs> so yep. dogs, are, dogs are dogs first and human, we're human first. So thank you, Beth, so much for your question. 
Are there any more hands raised? Uh, Melody has her hand raised. Melody, how you doing tonight? Thanks for coming. Hi, I feel bad for speaking again and taking up all the time. I oh, was no. thinking not only have your medications available, but your medical supplies. If you're a diabetic, have your insulin, your testing supplies, your glucagon, your if you have ostomies, you know, have those things available, your catheters, your if you have a respiratory condition, you know, your nebulizers and inhalers. I use three different albuterol inhalers and you know, it'd be important to bring those with you if you had to evacuate or shelter in place on a moment's notice. And I appreciate you so much for bringing that up. You have to be your self-advocate. And that means whatever you need to survive for three to five days, somewhere besides your home, you need to take that equipment. So I'm an asthmatic. So um, I use inhalers for emergency evacuation kits, but they do have ultrasonic nebulizers. So you don't have to put those big bulky nebulizers um, because those are air compressors and you may not have power. So if you are an asthmatic that uses a nebulizer and you don't have an inhaler because of cost, they're not cheap, do talk to your doctor about ultrasonic battery operated nebulizers because they're a lot smaller and a lot more compatible and you may not have power for your compressor. So if you also wear oxygen, you want to make sure you have your oxygen supply ready. Um, we can, I could do a whole talk about oxygen. Um, and you want to make sure you have enough for three to five days. Um, your colostomy bags, um, your diabetic um, supplies, all that is very important that you have it, which all that has expiration dates. So again, you want to make sure you alternate through that. Um, for those of you that have the CGSs, the continuous glucose, or CGMs, the continuous glucose monitors, um, you want to make sure that you rotate those as well because of the adhesive to apply those um, can also kind of go bad. But the only thing that expires in those application kits for your CGMs, continuous glucose monitors, is your alcohol pad. Um, if you have an insulin pump, you want to make sure that you have all your supplies for your insulin pump. Excellent. Thank you so much for helping me remember that. <laughs> Never be sorry. Be always grateful that um, you participate. Thank you so much. Any more raised hands? No, it's back to you. Back to me. Okay. So we talked about that. So let's, let's say everything is okay, but Recently, I had a little tumble off of my golf cart. So we'll talk about simple first aid kits. Now, you can go out and get a very simple first aid kit for less than $10 at Walmart, CVS, Target, Walgreens. And they average about having anywhere between 15 to 20 pieces in the kit. Now, those kits, the reason why they cost $10 is because they come in a fancy schmancy box that says first aid kit, or I like the canvas ones because I like to, oh, I, it never really comes with enough supplies, but you can get fancy ones that are $25. And then you can get the super fancy ones that are $150. And the ones that are 150, they're really neat. If I'm reaching out to one of the companies, is they have it set up so that when you open the bag, the kit will say what it's for. So it will say this pocket is for bleeding. This pocket is for 
vomiting. This pocket is for a sprain. This pocket. So everything inside this bag has another bag of what you need. But I haven't found anybody that does it in Braille. But I know a lot of us have our own Braille labelers. Uh, so I don't know if anybody out there has experience of finding first aid kits that were already Brailled. Any hands, Sam? There are no hands raised. Okay, well, sounds like we have some advocacy work that we can do and see what we can work with some of these first aid manufacturers to create something that will be useful for us that are vision impaired. Most, what I do is I, when I would teach first aid for American Heart Association, I would, I always went to CVS or Target or wherever and just go buy a canvas one. And I just laid the objects out. And it's very simple. Um, it's, I will put on the website on the ACB community Facebook page, a link to what should be in a first aid kit. And all I have to say is, is you don't have to, if you use it, go out and buy a whole new kit. Of course, the manufacturers don't want me to say that. Oh, wait, are we streaming on radio? Oh, no. So what I do is I shop at my favorite store, the Dollar Tree. So if I need some supplies on Band-Aid, um, I do go to the Dollar Tree. Um, I do have Batman and Little Pony. So who knows what you're going to get when you come to my house and you have a, a little boo-boo. Um, you might get a Pokemon um, Band-Aid. I don't know what it is anymore, but I used to work with kids at the hospital, so I always made sure I had fun um, Disney stickers and stuff to put on. So once you buy that kit, you know. So hydrogen peroxide is something that's very important to have. Um, again, tweezers are very helpful to have. Band-Aids, gauze, wraps, ace bandages, alcohol, um, not the vodka kind of alcohol, but rubbing alcohol, um, antiseptic spray to make sure you cleanse. When you go to irrigate, or in other words, go to clean a wound, especially a fresh wound, do not use tap water. You want to use sterile water, preferably distilled water, but you want to make sure it's sterile water. So you can just go to any store and buy it. Um, Bottled water is okay to use, but you do not want to use tap water um, when you're irrigation. Um, you want to have something for your eyes to flush out your eyes. So there's these little saline eye flushes that you can get. Um, even though we're vision impaired, um, eye protection is important during um, uh, evacuation and disasters going on because of all the debris that normally is not around. Um, first aid, first aid. Um, oh, when you have a, when it's cold out, you wanna make sure you have warmth again. Um, almost the same thing as the evacuation. But first aid, when you have a bug bite, um, it's very interesting on the different types of bug bites that you can get. Uh, as being vision impaired, you may not know what bites you, especially when it comes up to, I want to move to New Zealand because they don't have these things called snakes. And if you don't know what got you, at least try to take a picture of it. Um, here in Florida, we do actually have EMS ambulances that have venomous 
antidote on it. And Miami is one of the uh, venomous producers for the United States. And they'll actually can emergency um, Learjet out any supplies. But the hardest thing for us is knowing what is poisonous and non-poisonous. So it's just best to take a picture. So one of the things I recommend is um, just being aware of what your 911 can accept because I did have an interaction with a snake and I could not get animal control to appreciate my photography of the snake. So I did post it on Facebook and I was so happy to hear all my friends tell me it was a corn snake. Um, so just to let you guys know, there are many ways. Um, I know someone's going to raise their hand and tell me to call um, Be My Eyes. Um, that is another good resource to use, Be My Eyes and Iris. Um, but I'm still new to this community and still remembering those resources. Okay, so snakes. Okay. We do have a hand raised from Melanie. Melanie. Um, yeah, I always build my own first aid kit because no matter which kit I get, I always feel like I need to put more stuff in it. I know, right? Uh, yeah, Me and too. I don't really <laughs> like the pre-made ones because they pack them so full now that you don't have any room in the box to put anything extra. So I usually try to just build my own. And I use um, Ziploc bags and I'll put all my band-aids in Ziploc bags and then I can just label that and have all the band-aids have gloves and all of that kind of stuff um, that I would need. And another thing that I would recommend in some of the first aid kits, especially if you might find yourself in a situation where you have a large wound, what's bleeding a lot is sanitary napkins. They're, oh, they're sterile. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can and put tampons. them. Yep, yes, and you can, tampons. They're sterile yep. and you can put them on the wound and it's designed to absorb a lot of liquid anyway. So you uh -huh. put that on and then wrap an ace bandage or tape around that as well. Yeah, for nosebleed, tampons work great. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. And sanitary pads. I always had them in my car. And people are like, why do you have? I'm like, because if I roll up to an accident, you know, um, you just want to make sure you don't put the sticky side on the wound side. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need wings. <laughs> but yes, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So what do you use for your container? Do you use a shoebox, a plastic shoebox to put your, um, um, or do you have a backpack or what do you well, use? Right now I'm getting a new one put together. I haven't found a toolbox yet, but usually I've used a toolbox in the past. Um, I mm -hmm. have used old uh, first aid kit boxes, but even then I don't feel like I can get enough stuff in them when I take yeah. them because I usually have one at home. I have a bigger one that I carry with me. Then I have a smaller one. I actually got it from the dollar store. It's got just some band-aids and a few little basic things that I keep in my bag at all times. So um, typically a toolbox is what I would use because it's sturdy. It's hard. It's not going to get damaged if it gets dropped or knocked around. And, yeah. it's got a and it's got a carrying handle, which helps too. Yes. Yeah. So they do have the plastic ones because some of the metal ones can get heavy. And just a little insight um, for those of you guys, when you go to a hospital and you happen to experience a code cart, code carts are what carries all of our emergency equipment when we have an emergency. And basically what happened was that someday a code happened and um, 
a nurse went to uh, engineering department back in the 60s and said, what can you do to organize this stuff? And they literally went down to the hardware store and bought a Craftsman toolbox. And if you ever can, um, if you're in a hospital visiting, not now, um, just ask him, can I touch a code cart? And it will feel like you're in an automotive shop because we, all the code carts that are created um, are um, came from mechanics toolbox. So yeah, that is an excellent way to organize it. I love the little drawers or fishing tackle box is another good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because wherever you put your lures in for your fish and your weight, um, you can put your band-aids there, your tweezers, your scissors, you know, and stuff like that. So thank you for sharing. No thank problem. you, thank you. Oh, and your sanitary napkins and your tampons. Yep. yep. <laughs> Great for nosebleed. Great for nosebleed. Any more hands, Hilda? Hey, Melody's hand is raised. Hey, Melody. Hi, another idea. Um aspirin for first aid kits. We had gone to Vermont one year to see some family and we had packed our own and the next year my mom said I'm not messing with this so we bought one and there were aspirin tablets and non-aspirin tablets and I had heard that if you crush aspirin and put it on things like cuts, burns, bug bites, it can have a pain relieving effect and if someone is having a heart attack or stroke, you can give them a low dose baby aspirin that can reduce the production of platelets and thin your blood and stop that or delay it and you have time to save their lives. So aspirin's always a good thing to have on he on hand. Yes, aspirin is a great thing to have, but there's um, different types of aspirin. So the one you were, and you, you answered all of them, but there's different types for different situations. Uh, the first one is, is when you're having a heart attack, the studies that you're talking about is chewable aspirins, low dose. And that does help by time when it is a thrombosis or a clot in the coronary arteries that's causing the heart attack. And it does help slow down time. But there are some side effects that so you need to be able to ask them. First, the patient needs to be alert and be able to swallow. You don't want to crush it up and put them in their mouth if they're unresponsive. Um, the second thing is, is you wanna make sure that the person does not have a GI bleed situation because then that will actually cause them to bleed out, which is another cause for cardiac arrest. So um, you do need to know a little bit of history, but if they're alert and oriented and you can ask, are you having any stomach problems? Do you have any dark stools? Are you vomiting blood? Um, giving them uh, low dose um, aspirin is very, very beneficial and has helped. Regarding stroke, um, in the stroke algorithm, it is not currently recommended. It's kind of a debate going on regarding giving aspirin for a stroke because, again, um, you have to differentiate what kind of stroke it is. There's two types of stroke that you have. It's a hemorrhagic or non-hemorrhagic stroke. In other words, are you bleeding in your head? or are you having an ischemic attack because you have a blood clot in your brain? If you give someone aspirin who has a, uh, a hemorrhage going on, bleeding in their brain, you've actually not helped the situation but made it worse. So you can't give someone aspirin when they're having a stroke until they've got their CAT scan done. And that's why most EMS systems and all the studies we've done in American Heart talks about stroke alert. So when you call 911, like we talked 
um, last week, and they say fire, ambulance, or police, fire, or emergency, um, ambulance, one of the questions that they'll ask when you say ambulance, they'll be like, what what are the symptoms? And if it's a cardiac arrest in the state of Florida, it's called uh, code blue. So that way the team at the hospital is already on it, prepared for them. And then you have stroke alerts. So as soon as we hear a stroke alert is coming in, we open up the doors to the CAT scan and we, the goal, the national standard with American Heart is to have a patient having symptoms of a stroke within 10 minutes of a CAT scan. So um, just to let you know, that's why it's so important. If you have a neighbor that's like, I'm not feeling good, I'm dizzy, I'm blah, blah, blah. Don't hesitate to call 911 because when 911 shows up, they actually start treating you. If you get in the car with someone and they have to drive, are they treating you? Do they have you on the monitor? Are they giving you oxygen monitor and IVs? No. So as you're transporting someone to um, the hospital, remember you are actually de uh, delaying care for that person. The only time that it's important that you uh, try to transport the patient to services is if in you're in a super rural area and when you call 911 and they say, okay, it's going to be an hour to get to you, then they might direct you to um, get in your car and meet halfway. Um, but most of those rural areas do have helicopter systems backed up. In the state of Florida, we have 62 counties. And there are six counties that do not have a hospital in that county. So we do use helicopter for transportation versus an ambulance just for time to reduce delay of care. So it's very important to know where you live and be a self-advocate and find out, well, if this happens to me, where am I going to go? Or understand why if you have a headache and you start showing signs of stroke, which is very easy to self-administer the test. It's called um, FAST, which is another acronym for something else that someone said last week too. But FACE, you want to try to smile. If you can't smile, uh, raise your arms. And when you're having a stroke, the side that's being affected, you won't be able to keep your arm up. Um, you stick out your tongue and try to, you won't be able to achieve that. And if you have uh, face, arm, smile, and tongue, that's fast. And if you can't do one of those things, the probability of having a stroke is very high and you need to call 911. So slurred speech, um, dizziness, anything like that, it's important because it's about the timing of the onset and it's called the golden hour. And there's things that we can do within the first hour. And then there's um, thrombolytic therapy, which is drugs that we can give that actually will help go in there and bust up the clot. And we can only give those within the first three and a half hours of onset of a stroke. So time of when the symptoms occur is very important when you call 911. Okay, let's see. Does that cover all that? I really appreciate you asking those questions because then it gets me back on track. So we have a hand raised from Jay Rasmussen. Oh, Jay. Hey, Jay. I'm glad you're on the call. My paramedic friend. Jay, can you unmute yourself? Dan, can you send him Hello? a request? 
Hey, Jay. How you doing uh, tonight? Very good. Um, one of the things that you need is an emergency list. And oh, yeah. Thank you, Jay. What I mean, okay, besides having your doctor on there, you want to first have your name, your address, date of birth, your medical history, your allergies, um, the medications that you're on. And if you were just on something, you want to list a medication that you just stopped also. Also, the last time you saw your doctor and the next time you're supposed to be seeing your doctor. The other thing that you want to put on this list is um, emergency numbers that you may, you know, that's not just local, but also in another county or another state in case it's a tornado or whatever. That way you're away from there. They're not going to be involved with that particular situation. Another part that you may want to add to that is um, other numbers, let's say like you want to make sure you have is, let's say like your cable, your electric, in case your power goes out, you need to call them and you want to get that back up. Um, Thank you, Jay. Oh, go ahead. You also want to make sure you're right. Um, besides the uh, medications, you also want to write down you want to write write down your treatments that you're doing. Um, Correct. If you have wound management or dialysis, um, that's why in a couple of weeks I'm going to be having back um, April from the um, uh, NIDA, the National Emergency Number Association, and she's going to talk about the different smart 911 and other types of computer-based technology that will give pre-information that you can load up and register all that information. I know on my first call, I talked about Vio of Life. That's a program that we have here in Florida and in other states. It's not mandatory nationwide, um, where it's a piece of paper that, Jay, you were talking about that asks for all that information and you put it in your refrigerator near the butter and you put a sticker on your front door. Uh, I always recommend everyone to make a copy and once a year, make sure it's updated. So mark your calendar as September is a great time since it's FEMA's National Preparedness Month um, to make sure that information is updated. And since I have a service dog, I do have his information in there with mine as well. And I do have a sticker and he is registered through the CAD system. CAD is the computer computer assisted dispatching. So I called my 911 system in Lake County, the non-emergency number, and made sure that his information was in there as well as a picture. So if something happened to me and he got separated from me, um, they know that who he belongs to. But the only downfall about the CAD system is it's based on your home address versus the other advancements in the computer emergency system is based on where you are. So it can be based off of your phone bouncing off of a tower or if you're like, say, I'm in California traveling with Duke and I call 911, that information can be um, shared. It's pretty amazing what they're trying to do to make things better. And Jay, you helped me remember for all of us that have cell phones, is there anyone who does not have a cell phone? I'm not saying smartphone, a cell phone. 
you want to make sure that you have ice contact in your phone. Now, that's not to push a button and say you need more ice in your tequila or your, you know, uh, uh, Washington apple. It's um, for you to have in case of an emergency. So ICE, I please ask everyone to take a moment and put ICE in their phone with their top emergency contact person. So thank you, Jay, so much for that. And on the smartphones, there are actually a lot of free apps out there um, that will have you put in your uh, vital, like there's vital signs and there's all these different apps that are always coming out to put your medical records in. And I know in the state of Florida, we're working on legislation that the driver's license, when you get it scanned, will also have um, some basic health information. But we're having to do some legislative verbiage because of HIPAA. And HIPAA isn't a beautiful animal that plays in the water. HIPAA is the Health Information Protection Act. And so we have to be very careful on how we transmit and share health care information. Thank you, Jay, so much for helping me. No problem. And don't forget about uh, medical alert tags. ID tags. Oh, yes, yes. And those are, you know, I'm so amazed of how much they've changed. They have necklaces and bracelets and rings and, oh, they really have changed. Thank you, Jay, so much. Dan, any other hands elevated? Okay, Janine's hand was up, but she lowered it. But now oh. Melody's hand is up. Melody, what can <laughs> oh, Okay, <laughs> I feel so bad. Um, would it be an ideal to also list on your medical list whether you are an organ and tissue donor and also a blood, platelet, and plasma donor? I am all those things. Yes, it's always, you know what, I'm the type of girl, I'm an over-communicator. Um, there's never enough information. I forgot who shared earlier about creating her own first aid kits. I do the same thing. Um, no one's ever going to be like, oh, look at this girl. She wrote all this out for us. No, we embrace all that. Um, your organ donation should be tied to your driver's license. But since um, I'm new to this world, um, when I went and got my Florida residency card, when I had to surrender my driver's license, I was having a, uh, was making sure that they included that on my Florida ID card. Um, a lot of people don't know what blood types they are. Um, you can also get a customized medical band that says all that as well. I don't know if you're aware of that. So thank you very much for that comment. And any information that you can share is always very much appreciated when we're trying to save time to save lives. Oh, and I just have to throw this out. Um, if you go and donate blood, you get a free coronavirus antigen test and a cholesterol test as well. Any other hands raised? Thank you for asking those questions. There are no hands raised currently. Well, Janine, were you just flapping your hand to say hi? Hi, Janine. Hi, Terry. Your <laughs> hand is up now. <laughs> Put your hand right. up. Tell me about I, Chewy. <laughs> what, talk about Chewy? Yeah, so I know I was supposed to be here to talk about preparedness for pets. Did we do that? Did I miss that? No, you didn't miss it. I kind of went around it. I talked okay, about good. service. <laughs> but I knew, you were, I, knew, I knew you were coming and you had Chewy to talk about. So go ahead. 
So let's talk about preparedness for rodents and small animals. Uh, They needed to go bag too. So I am very lucky and I own a very cute fluffy bunny rabbit. And I realize most people in this community have dogs or cats. And, you know, there's birds. People forget about the birds and the mice and the rabbits and the guinea pigs and the gerbils. And, yeah, all those. Uh, For preparedness for a rabbit because I will prepare for my rabbit. And then I guess I can talk about preparing for your cat and your bird as well. Did you talk about those or no? I did. I just said whatever they need to survive for three to five days. Oh, then I don't need to talk about my rabbit preparedness. (laughs) But maybe I forgot something. (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. You need to get... Go ahead. What? What were you going to say? I just realized... The most important thing to put in evacuation bags for humans and service dogs, and I don't know if Chewy would need this, but socks are so important <laughs> and a good pair of tennis shoes, a good oh pair my, of tennis shoes. Because, yes. Because some people like in Florida might be sockless or shoeless when an okay. emergency occurs. So Terry, so. let's talk about preparing. <laughs> Sockless or shoeless. Socks are great in a fire. Did you talk about that? Like if you can wet a sock and put it on your face? Did we talk about that or is that another call? That was an, that was so like two weeks ago, but you can always talk okay. about it again because we might have new people on the call. We could. Well, I know we talked about ice two weeks ago too. That's why I was raising my hand, but then you talked about ice. So I put my hand down. So, Okay. So, yes, apparently socks are very important. Socks are very useful. You can wet them and put them over your face in a fire, or you can use them to cool off. Like, yeah. Because you know the number, one, the number one injury for an earthquake is? Tell me, because I've lived through earthquakes. What is it? Injuries to the feet. Yes. That, yes. Mm, is that proven? Yes, the medical director of California taught me that when I was over there in 2010 doing a lecture. And he's like, do you know the number one? And I'm thinking arms, legs, eyes, you know, head injuries. He's like, no, feet, feet, Feet. stepping on glass, stepping on glass, not knowing where your shoes are. Right. That is very correct. And the whole week I was in California, I slept with shoes on. Um. Okay. I was in a hotel, so what, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, so when you have to run out in the street, because there's so many earthquakes. Yeah. Okay, so I think you've covered stuff, and I won't go over uh, the go bag for the small animals like I was supposed to, because you covered it. <laughs> hey, um, um, thank you, though. Yeah. I always of appreciate co- when you pop of in. Of course, of course. <gasps> Dan, are there any hands raised? No, and we have six minutes to nine. Six minutes to nine. Well, Dan, is there anything you would like to add? I don't think so. Okay. All righty. Well, if I will open it up to any questions, any comments, or future recommendations. I have one question. I'm sorry I'm not raising my hand. Did you talk about taking your mini safe with you when you escape? Oh, yes, with all your important information, such as your passport and... Yeah, so we can travel and... Yeah. And your jewelry, so you did. I'm so sorry I missed that. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, I didn't. 
So my mini safe, I would grab my mini safe because in, in a panic mode, I might not. So you might want to keep a very strong bag next to your mini safe. Like if you have a big safe that's maybe three feet tall, you don't want that. But if you have the mini one, I you should probably keep a carry bag for it so you can carry all your important papers like your deed to your house your birth certificate your social security card all those things you keep in your safe that are very important you might want to grab your safe when you go to if it's a small safe it yeah thank you janine i did talk about um making sure everyone goes to the dollar tree and gets their whistle of course you did. Of course you did. Okay, but then take your safe. Okay, thank you so much, Miss Terry. Thank you, Janine. Oh, I, any any raised hands? Yes, Melody has her hand raised. Okay. Melody. I feel like I'm taking over the call. Um, this may have oh. to wait for another call, but could we talk sometime about if you are in a natural disaster, a terrorist attack, whatnot, and you break a bone or you're burned and you cannot get help right away, and if you're waiting on help for a few hours, a few days, and you have to stabilize a bone with a splint or a cast, or if you have to treat a burn and you have to cool it down and think first aid for other types of things... Um, yeah, we can talk about that. And that's basically um, what's in your kit. Um, we can talk about how to make splints um, out of whatever you have nearby to help straighten the bone. And then you just brace it. I don't know if Jay's still on. Um, we can go over that. Burns are pretty much pretty tricky um, in the sense that they have sprays that you can put in your first aid kit. Um, aloe is a good thing to apply to a burn. Um, most important thing is, is um, distilled water, sterile water, bottled water. You don't want to use um, tap water and make sure you don't have dirty water, which brings us back to make sure your kits, um, you can get um, purifying um, pills to help purify water, uh, to help with the toxins. Uh, what else? Um, but it depends on what the car- what the chemicals are because there's chemical burns, uh, there's uh, he- you know fire burns, and there's many different ways of treating those. So those kits that you can purchase that are pre-packaged, they have the kits that say what they're to use them for. And as your streamer, I hate to interrupt, but I'm going to have to stop the stream. So we have another community call coming right up. That's why I kept on muting Dan. Sorry about that. But thank you, Dan. And and thank you um, so much for this lovely presentation. Well, thank you, everybody, for coming. We don't have to leave, but we do have to say goodbye, ACB, streaming, radio, community calls. Come back next week, same time, same place, and we'll talk about what's up, Doc, what to do to get ready for your doctor visit.